0: Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hustle Like Hannah, your how-to guide on turning your creative side into a business opportunity. Good morning everybody, happy Monday, I hope you're doing okay, I hope you had a good week last week, I hope you're staying safe and I hope you're staying sane. Welcome to the season finale of season two of Hustle Like Hannah, I can't believe it that not only have I produced two seasons, but I'm at the end of season two already. Honestly, time flies when you're making a podcast. Now, you can probably hear in my voice today that I am quite elevated and I sound quite positive. And the reason for that is that today marks day one of step three of England's Roadmap out of lockdown. So, what that means is that we can meet people inside again now in groups of six. So, if we go around to a friend or a family member's house, we don't have to just sit in the garden, we can sit inside again. And likewise, if we go to a pub for a drink or for a meal, we can actually sit inside again now. But it also means that we can start to hug people again. And I'm not a massive hugger in the sense that I won't just go up to random people and hug them, nor do I really wish to. But there are certain family members of mine who I have not hugged since February 2020. So you can imagine how excited I am at the fact that from today, I can run up to them and just give them a hug. Obviously still, you know, being sensible and everything, but never again will I take a hug from a friend or a family member for granted, let me tell you. So yeah, and I've had some other bits of positive news this week. I can't quite share the details yet, but yeah, things are starting to look up and the future is starting to look much brighter once again. So whilst we're on the subject of positivity... Allow me to introduce you to my guest. So, my guest today is Lauren Manning from Happy Dance UK, and her story is incredibly similar to my own. Having danced since early childhood, Lauren felt a real passion for dance and knew that she wanted it to remain a key part of her life. When she went into higher education, Lauren actually studied event management, but she kept her toes dipped firmly in the dance pool. By assisting with dance classes in her spare time until she took the plunge to start up some of her own classes alongside her studies from then on the path was set and lauren hasn't looked back and in recent times Lauren has begun her new side hustle, Happy Dance, which aims to inspire, learn from and unite dance teachers to make the world a happier place through dance. Having been a guest on Lauren's podcast myself, I can't wait to turn the tables and chat to her about her journey from hobby to business in an industry that's so close to my heart. I'm sure she's got plenty of stories and handy tips to share with you all. So let's kick off this season finale and get chatting to her.
1: Hi Lauren, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for interviewing me. I'm very excited. I'm used to being the other side, like you said, so this will be my first interviewee
0: podcast. <laughs> oh. Makes- how exciting! So it's the fina- It's the season finale, but it's your first guest appearance, yes. so there we go. Well, thank you for coming and chatting with me today and taking time out of your day. I know you've had a busy morning of teaching so far. So I've given the listeners a brief introduction to you and your story, but obviously you know yourself and... Your hobby to business journey far better than I do. So why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, so I kind of fell into my job, for want of a better word. I used to dance all the time as a kid and then I did my Duke of Edinburgh and assisted with classes and just loved it and carried on and carried on and then I was teaching for other people and Then it come up to that kind of period in your life where you're like, what am I going to do after school? What am I going to do after college? And so I was like, well, everyone seems to be going to unis or dance colleges. Maybe that's what I should do. But I started originally with a joint degree in dance and event management. But if I'm perfectly honest, I ended up dropping the dance because it wasn't what I was expecting. I don't think I was the right candidate. I think it was more my fault than theirs because I'd already done my teacher training privately to become a dance teacher through the IDTA. So I already had that kind of base level. And then to go into a uni degree where no one had taught at all ever, or some of them hadn't even danced, which I thought was a bit ridiculous. So it just wasn't a good fit. So I ended up dropping that in the first year and just doing event management. And in the summer holidays, I've always been quite a busy bee. Like (laughs) I don't like sitting still. And I wanted to make some extra money during the summer break because we got so long off. I can't remember how many how many weeks it is now. I think
0: sometimes it was like I know for me, I think I ended up with like three months
1: in one of the yeah, summers. Yeah. It was a ridiculous amount of time. So I was like, oh I'll set up some summer camps and see how that goes and some weekly classes for things. So yeah, that's how I started and then set it up. I remember my first class I had three kids, just three, and I thought that was like the best thing ever. And then by the end of the summer, I just loved it so much. And I was already commuting back and forth to uni to teach for other people at the weekend. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move the classes to a Saturday morning before I teach for someone else in the evenings or afternoons and carry it on. And I've just kind of never stopped since. It's just grown from there because I'm a big fan of choosing happiness over everything else. Hence my my mission to make the world a happier place through dance. I think there's not enough talk about being happy when it comes to people's jobs I feel like everyone's like oh well I make 60 bazillion pounds a week or whatever it is and it's like well yeah but do you like your job do you enjoy going to work do you like the people you work with and so I've always been very mindful of I want to do something that makes me happy and that I might not love it completely every day but there are more good days than bad days and so I've tried to create that environment for when I've hired teachers and other members of staff and things to kind of keep the same ethos and the same same goal. I want to make people happy because I think happy people work harder and do better work in general. So yeah, that's my kind of little storyline.
0: Yeah, I love that. So thinking about Happy Dance, obviously, it's this kind of fairly new side hustle if you want to call it that so what does that encompass obviously you teach dance and obviously I've been on your podcast so is is they are they the two main things that it encompasses or are there are there other strings to your bow when it comes to the happy dance area of things
1: yeah well happy dance kind of grew um, during the first lockdown because I create so many like teaching resources and flashcards and diaries and planners and things for my own classes and my own staff that was like I bet other people would find these valuable and so many of my friends are like oh Lauren do you have that that lesson plan you did when you were cowgirls and cowboys can you send it to me and things like that and I thought there are so many dance teachers that are probably just them and a hall and some kids that don't actually talk to any other dance teachers or their friends might not understand they don't want to hear about them talking about how susan finally pointed her toes that week <laughs> I wanted to create a, a, a space where teachers could just chat and share their passion and share their love and also hopefully share my resources and hopefully they'll help up some other people as well so that's how it started and then my podcast basically came about i'm a very nosy person i love picking people's brains and figuring out what they've done to make them as happy as they have been and how they've grown their business and how it's different from my journey and things because I just think there is so much you can learn from everyone around you and so I wanted to pick some dance teachers brains and see if anyone else found it useful as well no yeah definitely and i think it kind of
0: it it's in keeping with this message of like connecting and learning from and uniting them i think you know if you don't ask you don't get so as they say
1: Yeah, definitely. There's no wrong way, if you like, to teach something. Obviously, if you talk about ballet, a plie is always going to be a plie. But the way you go about teaching, it could vary from kid to kid because everyone's different and everyone learns differently. And what clicks for an idea you use for one kid might not work for another, but you might have an idea where you're like, "Oh well, have you tried telling them it's like they're inside a toaster to try and keep them from sticking their bum out?" And and then it clicks for another one. And you're like, oh, "If I hadn't spoken to you, I would have never thought of it that way." And so I think there's always opportunities to learn little little tips and tricks from everyone.
0: Yeah, definitely. So drawing this back to the very early days, obviously you've danced from probably as early as you could walk. Yeah. So was it in the case of your parents decided to take you to try a dance class and you fell in love with it? Or did you kind of almost ask them if you could go to dance? How how was it that you entered the dance world to begin with?
1: Yeah, well, actually it was a bit of a a weird storyline when I was very little. My hips were very strong. I was like strung up like a little bug in hospital for a while. And one of the things they said was that dance will really help strengthen those hip joints, dance and swimming. So I started those and I just loved it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to fast forward quite a bit to when you were at university. So because you went to university to do, well, initially it was your combined course, but because it was sort of management related, did you always kind of know that you wanted to run your own business or was it just whilst you're at university and then you were running the classes you kind of thought oh maybe I
1: could just work for myself? Yeah I think I've always been quite entrepreneurial as a child like I was the one that would always set up like her old toys in the garden to sell to people driving by and things like that and have like a stall at the school fair and things like this. I think I always knew that I wasn't meant to be an employee because I'm just too, I'm too opinionated and I get too excited about things. <laughs> like I used to work in a restaurant and a pub and I'd be forever going to my bosses like, oh, have you heard that LinkedIn's amazing for organic growth at the moment? Or have you tried this? And have you tried that? And they'd be like, Lauren, just serve table four. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, never, "Never mind. I just thought it was interesting. Or did you see what this business had done on this advert? And, yeah, i think i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to those type of things i just find it so interesting so i knew that i wasn't probably meant to be an employee because i was just too opinionated. And i wanted to to grow and i wanted everyone to be the best they could be which obviously some people are like no we're very happy with our with our pub how it is run and how everything is going we don't appreciate your you'll want to take it (laughs) to to put us on a a social media platform that we will never use in our life and things like that
0: yeah so did you know that you probably wanted to have your own dance business or again did that come in when you started to teach the
1: classes a bit of both really I think that I always knew I wanted to teach for myself and it was by the time I started uni it was getting to the point where I was like at the other schools I taught for, the kids would be like, oh, don't worry, Lauren will know what we're doing this week. And I wasn't even the one in charge. And so I was basically running it for them, even though I wasn't getting the the perks and the control of running it for them. So I knew that I needed to take that next step and start up on my own. But I didn't know if I was gonna be doing it 10, 15 years down the line. It kind of, as soon as I started for myself, it was like, no, this is, this is this is for me. This is the one. And I'm going to stick to it going forwards.
0: Yes. Yeah, so it kind of just fell into place.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so flip side of that. Was there anything that was making you a bit hesitant to actually like start your own business and work for yourself? Or was it a case of once you'd stumbled onto the idea, that was it. You'd never looked back.
1: Yeah I think everyone always has little moments of self-doubt don't they like can I do this is anyone going to show up and kind of that imposter syndrome where they're like oh maybe I'm not good enough but I think you've just got to do it like if you want to what is the harm in trying it especially when you're you're young like I was at uni I had my student loan I had, I had a roof over my head there wasn't like I was risking like the house and feed be able to feed my kids and things like that that maybe I would have if I was setting up when I was older but I think I'd have regretted it but I didn't do it and that's why I was like well I'm either gonna set it up now and carry on doing it and then 10 years I might try something else or it might not work and then I'll be exactly in the same place I was when I first started do you know what I mean? Yeah definitely I can relate to that because obviously I
0: started mine when I graduated from uni and I know I was a bit like oh I don't know and but I think it's one of them where whether it works or it doesn't work by setting it up like you say early doors you get to that point where you're like well at least I don't have that what if moment like at least I know yes or no it worked or it didn't work and I'm not 10 20 years down the line thinking oh I wonder if I'd have tried what might have happened so you've got to kind of do it to almost answer the future questions
1: yes I completely agree like nothing annoys me more when people complain about something but will do nothing to change it mm. like going off topic slightly if you were ever like on my dating side of my life <laughs> when I was younger that used to be the thing that used to annoy me the most when people would be like I hate my job I hate this I hate my way I hate blah blah blah, blah. And I'm like oh that's a shame are you looking for another job and they'd be like no well, then- <laughs> Then you have no right to complain about it i'm sorry but you are in control of you you can't control anyone else around you but you control how you can react to situations and how you can live your life to an extent i'm not saying quit your job tomorrow but you can start looking for another job if you hate your job if i'm unhappy with something i need to think about how i can change it or how i can remove myself from that situation because no one's going to come along and do it for you <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. So thinking about the point in which you started your business, right up to where we are today whilst we're chatting, if you can pinpoint it, what would you say is your biggest success or the thing that you're most proud of within your business?
1: I'd probably say I've worked really hard to maintain this kind of family feel as we've grown. So as I've hired staff and things, I'd be very careful to make sure they had the same kind of outlook and ethos as me, so that if they were taught by me or Sarah or Julie or whoever else, they'd get the same experience as if they had class with me or one of my original teachers. And Because I think even though we're growing and we want to affect as many people as possible, we also want each kid to feel special within their own right and probably the biggest success is, is, it sounds really sappy, but is when you get a kid that comes in and they like won't even look at you or talk to you or even move, basically. And then one week they'll come in and they'll be like, hi, Lauren. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> and I have that celebration moment in my head, but you have to kind of keep it inside. I don't know if you do this, because you don't want to be like, not going to make it a big deal because I don't want her to, to feel like, Oh, her walking into class on her own without clinging to mum for five minutes um, is a huge deal and a huge step for her because I don't want it to be like, uh, oh, she's really highlighted me. Maybe I can't do it again next week. So i always wait for them to walk in and then to mum, I'm like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Go, yeah. yeah! It's those moments. The, the power of dance that isn't necessarily making them a better dancer. It's just making them a happier human.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like that. So flip side of that, obviously, when you work for yourself, no matter what industry it's in, you know, things don't always go to plan. And we find ourselves having to overcome a lot of obstacles. Sometimes they're obstacles that we knew were coming. Sometimes they're obstacles that just appear out of the blue. So what would you say has been one of your biggest obstacles or challenges that you've had to
1: overcome in your business? Yeah, great question. I think probably it's also one of my kind of regrets, even though I just wasn't ready to do it at the time, is I would have hired someone sooner. I think I thought that I had to do everything myself. I couldn't, like, sp- spread the love to anywhere else and things. I had to do it all for me, and it just meant that I was working seven days a week, 45 plus hours teaching and then probably another 10 hours doing admin at home I was just running myself blue and I should have just gone you know what I can hire someone and if it doesn't work then I can be honest with them and just let like have to let them go and it was that fear of being responsible for someone else's wage someone else's paycheck that stopped me from doing it probably for two three years until I actually went no, this is getting ridiculous, I need I need to do it, and tell myself that you can only try. If you hire someone that's the wrong person, you can just say, I'm really sorry, I don't think I'm the best fit for you, and I don't think you're the best fit for me, and I wish you all the luck in the world in your next job, and I'm happy to give you a reference, and like all the best, basically. And it took me a while to understand that and believe that I could do it.
0: Yeah, I guess it's somewhat possibly comes back to that imposter syndrome of like oh but what gives me the authority to be someone else's boss like what make what makes me qualified to do that when it's like well no it's your business if you want to bring someone in to help you then that's fine like as long as you're like you say as long as you're in a position to be able to do so and you know what kind of almost what responsibility falls on your shoulders then like you say it's better to just try and then reassess later
1: if needs be yeah exactly And I think people forget when you're adults that is you will still make mistakes and it's okay to go I'm really sorry I screwed up and I'll do better next time like I've got someone's wage wrong before and they've gone do you mind if I just check my hours and I've got I'm so so sorry you're completely right I will sort that tonight and then it's been fine I mean the world didn't shatter if she said I'm really sorry I've just been fined by my bank or overdraft fee then I would have just said I'm really sorry that's completely my fault I will cover it just let me know what the difference is and I won't it won't happen again but I think too many people go oh well it's because of xyz and this thing was against me and this thing was against me rather than just going yep I was wrong completely my fault I will fix it and I'll try and make sure it doesn't happen again and that honesty I think is really important when you're hiring people and employing people to to make them trust you because at the end of the day they're they're trusting you that they're going to be paid they're going to have a consistent job that they're going to progress through the company they're going to be with you for hopefully a long while and grow with you and they've got to trust that you're the right person to deliver that I always feel like I work for them rather than they work for me
0: (laughs) that's a good way of looking at it though because that that kind of helps to avoid that whole I'm the boss I'm telling you what to do it it kind of makes it a bit more of like a no this is a team effort I just happen to be the one that sorts the paychecks and whatnot so yeah
1: and of course you have to if they've got done something wrong you have to hold them accountable there's always that balancing act if you don't want to be too much their friend and you don't want to be too much kind of like I am boss I am god this is my work (laughs) no one can disagree with me But like I said, everyone makes mistakes. So if you were too much of the, I am big boss, you can't tell me what to do, then you just go, "Yep, I was having an ego trip. Very sorry. I will control myself better in future.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So sticking with the theme of challenges, we're slowly coming out of our third lockdown here in the UK. But obviously the COVID pandemic has been around for the past, I don't know, 14 months at this point, however long it's been. So obviously our industry got hit quite significantly along with some other industries. So what kind of impact has that had on you and how have you managed to tackle that in your business?
1: Yeah, it's been hard. Like I'm not going to lie and say, oh, it was brilliant. And I came back and every time there was a lockdown, all the students returned and things like that. Because that's not that's just not a fact of life, especially in working with kids. They have so many options open to them at the moment that they might decide one day that they want to try martial arts or basket weaving or fishing or whatever else they've decided to do at the time but i think the way i've thought through it is i've gone i started from three kids Like if it comes to it i can do it again i know and i could probably do it quicker because i know what it took to get me to the 450 i'm at now ish so I know the process I had to go to to get there. So I know that I can do it again, even though I'm like, oh, some days when you get that next message, they're like, oh, they just don't fancy coming anymore. Or Mm -hmm. they've decided that dance isn't for them. And you're like, oh, they'd love it when they're there. It's just that fear of coming back and starting something again after being at home. And I think that's been the main hurdle. It's been that little push of them coming into the first class, coming back through the doors because it's been, some of them, for some of my little ones that are like two, it's been half their life, they've been in lockdown. Yeah. So it's such a shock to go back to a routine when they're used to like sit on the sofa and eating crisps.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just as like a, an extra question here, because obviously, I know we kind of spoke about it when I was on your podcast, but how did you find like teaching on Zoom and the whole online space as opposed to being
1: in person in classes? Yeah, I was really, really grateful that Zoom was a thing <laughs> to start with because obviously, if we were what, how old did that? 70 years ago? Maybe there would <laughs> have been such a thing. Like, if we'd have had to do it like carrier pigeons or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was really happy that I could still see their faces and that I could still interact with them and dance, but obviously part of being in a club and a society and things is that social interaction and dance is quite a hands-on sport like being able to correct the turnout of the leg or oh no this one's your right hand and things like that that you can't really do over zoom and obviously my turnout wasn't as good as it is in class especially for the younger ages because I think they just don't understand it and even the primary school age kids they they were fed up of zoom by the end of the second lockdown and that's definitely the end of the third one because they were like what do you mean i've got to go to zoom all day for school or google groups for schools and and then do another hour of dance afterwards and more zoom and more zoom so we made a decision early on to make the classes just about them having fun forgetting what was going on in the world around them and just enjoying dancing so for like my older classes we got them to choose the songs they wanted to dance to each week. So the following week we'd do that song they'd chosen this week's lesson and things like that to make it just an escape for them because they didn't need to be yelled at for not turning out or not pointing their toes or <laughs> told off for go, turning the wrong way to their classmates or anything like that. They just needed to to shut the world out and just enjoy dancing.
0: Yeah, I'm sure some, uh, some institutions or... You know, high level choreographers would would disapprove of me saying this, but I'm sure that the kids had far bigger issues to deal with than not pointing their toes or turning out when they were stood in first position.
1: So you're right. It's just about having fun. Yeah, exactly. And that will make them come back if they're like, oh, God, it was such a drag on Zoom because we were still working towards the exam that never happened two years ago. And uh, had to keep working on it. So we were ready for exams when we finally get to come back. But by that point, they don't care about the exam anymore because they're just fed up with Zoom, fed up with not being able to see their friends, not being able to talk to each other or give their friends a hug at the end of class and things like that. They just wanted that moment to just not think about anything else. And I think for my students, at least that is what they needed. I'm sure some had great success teaching exams and things over Zoom, but from the feedback I got from chatting to them and just seeing them, that was what I felt they needed at the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. So thinking back to the business side of things now, what would you say are some sort of pros and cons or advantages and disadvantages? Firstly, of working for yourself as opposed to being an employee. And second of all, when you work for yourself in a creative industry?
1: I think creative industry is always hard because the amount of people especially kind of family members elderly family members that have told me like when are you going to get a real job and i'm like oh this this is a real job and things they're like oh they're like you can't be making much money and before i moved out it was like oh well when are you going to be able to afford a house and i'm like well actually all six of my employees have just got their first time house so i don't see xyz cousin being able to do this and stuff like that so i think people always especially like my granddad will say well, when are you going to get a proper job? And you're like, no, this is actually making me a full-time wage. This is me enjoying my life and doing something that I want to do just because it's not a builder or a, a lawyer or a doctor. It's still a valued career and I'm still doing something good for the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. It That just reminded me of a conversation I had with someone yeah. and they were saying that their child had been asked what they wanted to do when they were older and they said, oh, I want to be a dance teacher like my mummy. And this person who had asked them was like, oh, that's a great life choice to make. Mm -hmm. And we were like, well, like, why isn't it a great life choice? So then I asked the woman, I said, so just out of interest, what does this person do as a job? And they were like, oh, they're a cleaner. And I was like, well, some people would turn around and say, oh, great life choice, but, you know... A job is a job and if you enjoy doing it and you know you're making other people happy like I don't get why it's frowned upon but you're right a lot of people particularly with creative jobs seem to just kind of look down the nose and be like oh that's all you do it's like well to some people that's a very very vital service so you know
1: yeah exactly one of the things we do in classes is for Father's Day and Mother's Day we'll have like dance with your daddy or dance with mum and bring them to class and we do it because I think people just think you're just running around a hall with a bunch of kids for an hour and they don't realize the planning and the the kind of education that goes into it and how they've leveled up their skills and things like that so we do it to kind of highlight the fact that we are professionals and we've been trained for this like just because we're not a lawyer or a nurse or one of these kind of prestigious careers doesn't mean that we don't have value and that we don't deserve to be earning a decent wage for what we do that's probably one of the hardest things about being in a creative industry is kind of almost being taken seriously by people around you like like i said with my granddad i remember him being like well how many students have you got like four and i was like (laughs) suck it (laughs) showed him, but um they do they just they compare it to what they'd do with their life and their own kind of limitations and then project that kind of fear and anxiety onto you so and I think that's true with lots of self-employed people so many people will belittle it because they know they couldn't actually do it themselves yeah they, they might not realize it but subconsciously I think most people that push someone down because they're making a living making jewelry or selling children's books or whatever else it is they're doing will feel belittled by some of the people around them because actually deep down they're like oh well I would love to have been a photographer when I was little but I just didn't pursue it or I didn't have the the courage and the self belief to just go for it and then now they're going oh well that's not a proper job you'll never make any money doing it because they know deep down that they thought they couldn't and that's why they didn't.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what would you say are your favourite things about working for yourself?
1: I love that I'm in control. Like if you have a (laughs) guest, I'm (laughs) regulated, and I like being in control. I like trying new things. I like pushing my own boundaries and the boundaries of what I can do within my business to help it grow or to see if that particular thing is going to help it grow, like with what I was saying about the dance for your Dad for Father's Day, um, when I first did it, I was like, are really, Dad's going to turn up? Like is anyone actually going to enjoy it?" And now every year, they're like, "Oh are we, are we coming to class, are we, are we coming to class? <laughs> And I'm like, "Yes, of course you are." <laughs> and so it's just about just being able to have that freedom. But then of course, on the flip side, you also put out all the fires and you take on all that responsibility. Like the buck ends with me. There's no, oh, well, my boss told me this or so-and-so did this, so that's why it's not my fault. No, I either hired that person or I didn't explain myself clearly enough. So it went wrong and that stopped with me. And that's sometimes a lot to deal with. And sometimes you just have to take a breath and go, no one has died. The world is, hasn't ended, like, all you can do is apologise and fix the batter at hand.
0: Yeah, definitely. So now I'm going to ask you to pop your advice cap on. So for anybody who's listening who has just started a business and they're not really sure, like, where to go with it, or perhaps they're listening to this thinking... Well, I have a creative hobby or a passion and I think that I could turn it into a business, but they're not sure how to approach it. What would you say are your three top
1: tips? So the first one that springs to mind is always try to add value. So before like you're even selling anything, start your social media platforms and just talk about what you're passionate about so if it is jewelry making talk about the process that you go through to create these beautiful pieces or if it is dance talk about the kids that you've currently got or that you're hoping to get in that age range and how you're going to help them develop and how you are going to share your profession and how you're going to share your experience to help make I always feel like I'm giving a miscongeniality speech when I say, the world a better place. (laughs) Um, So that would be the first one, always add value. Because I think it's always a balance, isn't it? Between being like, come to class, come to class, or sell, 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 and actually providing value, whether that's through, this is how we teach it, this is why it's important, or this is the skills that will help you grow um, through classes, or this is the process that goes behind making this beautiful... Piece of art or whatever it is, I think people want to see the process and want to see the passion, and so that would be my first piece of advice. And then also not putting any pressure on yourself by going, "Oh my god, I've got to sell two hundred of these within the first month." You're going, "No, I'm I'm sharing my love, I'm sharing my passion, and people will start to enjoy and be interested because I think people want to learn, people want to." read things like everyone's scrolled through Facebook and clicked on something random because they're like oh I wonder what that does or I wonder how that happens I wonder how they make curly fries and it could be nothing to do with actually what their business or profession is in it could just be something they're interested in and via that they can then come to know you and when they've got a birthday party coming up and they're like oh she loves jewelry who was that really interesting person that I was following let's see if she's got anything for sale so I think my biggest tip would be value first. Sorry, that was quite a big one, wasn't it? (laughs) No, it's fine, it's fine. My second one would be, don't be afraid to start small. So like I said, I had three kids in my first class and I was ecstatic, but I think another person could have had three and gone, this is an absolute failure. I'm never gonna make any money from this. And things take time to grow. Like those three kids were with me for 10 years and then I had more come next week and more come next week. Everything will grow little bit by little bit. And it doesn't mean that if you open a class or open your shop and you get zero sales one day that you've failed at life and that no one's ever going to buy your stuff. It's it's a process. It takes time. And as long as you're not putting all your eggs straight away into that basket, like oh, I'm starting this business that I don't know anything about, say so, so I decided to sell blown glass, (laughs) I would have no clue, but I'd learn as I'd go and I'd get better and better. And probably if I started my glass shop and had 6,000 customers that first day, I probably couldn't cope and I'd create more problems than I'd be able to solve in my first year. So I think start small, don't be afraid to have it as kind of a side hustle to start with, and then you can always shift the balance. Like I was um, still working at a restaurant when I had two employees because I was going, if I can't pay them for any reason, I know I have this backup to cover me so I can always pay my staff. And I probably only had it for, like I said, that was one of my biggest hurdles was hiring people. So I think it was more of a, a comfort blanket for me to then go, no, I'm just having this extra money and not having any free time. I'll stop working at the restaurant and just enjoy life a bit more so yeah start small don't be afraid to start minutely tiny because it will because it will grow and three sorry i'm probably like this this segment is taking far too long oh
0: no this is this is often the segment that kind of has the most value
1: so by all (laughs) means take as much time as you like (laughs) (laughs) probably as cheesy as it sounds be your biggest cheerleader like one thing that I really struggled with was probably even now to some extent is listening to the negatives over the positives like when that one mum says that she's not coming back because class wasn't good enough or a teacher leaves because they thought they'd be getting more hours than they were or do you know what I mean just something that someone said and it you remember it But there's probably been hundreds and thousands of people that have said so many lovely things about your business and your products that you almost don't remember Mm. or don't take note of. And so it sounds really sad, but I've started a little scrapbook called Lauren's Book of Joy. And I write down all the lovely things people have said. Not necessarily just about my business; it's about me in general. And then, if I'm having one of those days where that imposter syndrome has crept in, or that negative little voice has said, "Oh, maybe you're not good enough to be doing this," I can look at it and go, "Actually, look. That I, on this date, I hired my first member of staff, and she is still with me. Ten years later, I have grown my school from these three people in this tiny little picture." To all these people in this this year's show photo, and just kind of taking that moment to be like, "Yes, Lauren, you've done pretty amazing, and you should be proud of yourself." As entrepreneurs, you're always looking for the next the next goal. Like as soon as you've hit one thing, you're like, "Right, on to the next level. Let's push it further." Now I've hired one teacher. Let's hire another. Now I've opened this class and it's full. Let's open another. And you never take a second to actually go, "Well done, go me." yeah and so that would be my biggest advice kind of to myself and to people starting out is to take the time to to have those little kind of celebration moments along the way
0: yeah I think I think that kind of ties in nicely with what you were saying about how certain people kind of look down their noses or are like oh like but you don't have a proper job it's like if you can be your own cheerleader and hype yourself up You'll kind of get to the point where those kind of comments basically like go in one ear and go straight out the other. So, they were some great pieces of advice. So, now I'm going to let you take the floor again. So, this is your opportunity to just have a little bit of a shameless plug for yourself, your classes, your podcast, whatever you want to tell the listeners about. Tell them where they can find you, if you've got any offers on or basically anything you want to brag about now's your opportunity so
1: take it away oh don't know what to say um well if you want to find out anything more it's happy dance UK on pretty much all platforms the only one I'm not on is Twitter because my spelling is too bad for Twitter Oh, hold my hands up now my spelling and grammar I'm so dyslexic i have not even attempted it. I'm gonna. I i could not take the ridicule, and I'm self-aware enough to know that. <laughs> but Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Happy Dance UK. Plug wise, I'd just like to chat to some like-minded people. So if you're in the dance business or in the performing arts sector, and you'd like to connect and talk and chat, I'd love to. I'd love to meet some more people and to connect. So yeah, that that would be my shameless plug I'd love to to make some more friends in the industry so drop me a message I'd love to to chat and learn and grow from you. Perfect so for anybody listening who
0: wants to get in touch with Lauren I have listed all the relevant links and information in the episode description so it's super easy to find. Well thank you for taking the time to come and chat with me today Lauren it's been super insightful and it's been really good to kind of turn the tables around on you, seeing as you were the one asking me the questions last time. So obviously this is the season finale of season two and it's Monday morning and today is the first day of step three of our roadmap out of lockdown so we want to leave the listeners feeling nice and motivated for the week ahead so do you have any parting words of wisdom or an inspirational quote or a funny story just anything that you want to leave the listeners with so my
1: personal kind of mantra if you like is you can only control you and I stole it off Nike but just do it just whatever you're thinking about doing just count down from five and do it whether it's going for that run or sending that email you were too scared to send last night just pull up your big girl knickers and do it just just go for it what's the what's the worst that could happen and probably i don't know if it's particularly motivating but one thing my granddad, a different granddad to the, this is the supportive granddad, um, <laughs> to me, and it was probably the biggest kind of slap in the face a realisation that made me think about the fact that I can only control me, is he told me that the negative voices that you have in your head aren't your voices. They're things that people have said to you that you've now taken on as you. And that really helped me when I was growing my business, that... I could, when I was having that moment of self-doubt or that voice that would creep in my head and tell me that I wasn't good enough to kind of almost trace it back and be like, oh no, you were that boy that was mean to me in fifth grade that I fancied. Do you know what I mean? And to give it a face and give it a name rather than it being me telling me that. And then I could be like, take a seat, Gareth. You're not needed anymore. Do you know what I mean? Before we said that, I'd never even thought of it like that. And even now, years and years later, I still do it. I still think, no, I'm awesome. Who, who has told me that this little voice in my head, who has told me this? And yeah. then that kind of quietens them down.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's definitely a good perspective to put on things, especially when, like you say, things get on top of you, a bit, you can almost compartmentalise it and be like, no, okay, these are actually my opinions and these are just external influences so yeah yeah, that's super helpful and i'm sure that will send many people on with their week feeling nice and motivated so once again thank you for coming and chatting with me lauren i hope you've enjoyed it and i hope your business continues to grow and do well for many years to come take care oh thank you and it's been a joy Once again, thank you to Lauren Manning from Happy Dance UK for coming and chatting with me today. And thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it's left you feeling motivated for the week ahead. So that brings season two to a close now, but I can confirm that season three will be coming out later in the summer. So make sure that you subscribe to the show so that you don't miss the first episode being released. And if you want to be a guest on season three of my show, then drop me an email to hustlelikehannahpodcast at gmail.com containing your name, your business name, and a little bit about your creative hobby to business journey. If you're on social media, you can drop me a like or a follow at hustlelikehannahpodcast on Facebook or Instagram, or at hustlelikehannah on Twitter. And on there, you can stay up to date with information about my guests, all the things that go on behind the scenes, interactive Q&As that you can get involved in and my small biz shout out. And if you want to be one of the businesses featured in my small biz shout outs, then drop me an email to hustleicannapodcast at gmail.com with the subject line small biz shout out and just tell me a little bit about your business. And if you want to find out more about my business, go to www.hannadanieldance.co.uk or search for Hannah Daniel Dance on any social media platform. Now, all that's left for me to say is go out there, smash your Monday, stay creative, and I'll see you very soon. Bye for now!